Bucks Nation, the podcast representing the best fans in college football. Now, here's Tyler and Jerry. What's going on? Welcome into another episode of Buffs Nation. I am Tyler Walgie. He is Jared All to my right. Jared, big win last week. Bucks improved to three and one on the season. How you feeling? Feeling a little better coming in this week. It's amazing what a W on the uh, the scoreboard will do for you. CU goes on the road, gets their first road win of 2019. Special thanks to Woo's Media. If you own a business, know anyone who owns a business, and want the inner workings of the best up-to-date online advertising, check them out online. Woo's Media. That's W-O-O-Z-E media.com. As I said, Buffs win on the road at Arizona State. Now, Jared, a lot to dive into for the game. Uh, Lots of positives, a few negatives, but I just want to start off saying CU. Losing in the second half I mean, the last couple of years, they don't win that game. This is a different team, a different feel, and you got to credit the main man, Mel Tucker, for making these guys believe no matter what happens, they've got a shot. You definitely see a different demeanor and attitude about this team than we've seen in years past, and I think it's a direct reflection of Mel Tucker and the what he has brought in as the head coach. So you're starting to see it early, lots of tough ones. In fact, every game for CU has been a tough game, so good to see these guys continue to fight hard till the end of the game. CU wins 34-31 and a bit of a different story. I mean, CU had the 14-0 lead at the end of the first. They took the lead into halftime. Last week, we asked uh, Pac-12 insider Tyler Fessler how important is that to take the lead into halftime, and I think everybody agreed. Getting off to a quick start was monumental for this team. They did just that. It seemed like, uh, you know, in, in last week's game against Air Force, CU sort of fell into every trap that Air Force set up for them. It felt like a completely different game this week against Arizona State. It seemed like CU had a game plan. They had a frame of mind they wanted to go in with. They attacked it, and they stuck to it, and it really paid off for the Buffs, scoring in every quarter of this <laughs> game. So it wasn't just the quick start and then shutting down. I feel like it was the best, most complete performance of the year so far for the Buffs. And like you said, there's still more to improve upon. This was by no means a perfect game. Well, before we get into the X's and O's, exactly what happened on the field, it's an inevitable you know, place to start, I think, the injuries. What kept happening during the game? Injury after injury after injury. And at some point, it's just like, this is ridiculous how many buffs are out right now. It hurt. At one point during the game, I wrote down, these were the players that were hurt in the locker room not playing. And I may be missing some. Let me know if I'm leaving any off the list here. This was all at one point, I think during the third quarter. Mikhail Onu, uh, Shane Wells, Mustafa Johnson, uh, LaVisca Chenault, and Delrick Abrams Jr. All hurt at one point in time. And those are all big pieces on the Buffs roster. I mean, they're all key pieces, right? It's not like, you know, any any backups were hurt. Now, we never want to minimize anybody getting injured, but let's face it, when it's the majority of your offense or defense, that's cause for concern. I don't remember the last time in the last couple, what, decades watching CU football, we saw that many injuries during one game. You're right, and and it really, like you said, compiled kind of all in a short window there, and it was just play after play after play. It seemed like somebody was going down. So it was good to see that really you you saw virtually no drop-off. When that starter went out, however long that may be, most of those guys that you listed did end up coming back in the game, which is promising moving forward. There are a couple of injuries that look like they may linger on. Uh, But when you saw those guys go out, a lot of times – Uh, opposing teams are going to attack that position. You see a cornerback go out, you're going to attack the guy that just came on the field. And the Buffs did good. They held strong, and they didn't really bend in those scenarios. 
Mustafa Johnson is going to be out for a little bit, right? He's one of the big losses. Yeah, that seems to be the one that for sure is is, is lingering. Let's focus on that because that's a starting point for these injuries. Mustafa Johnson could be the most, uh, I, I want to say the biggest impactful injury because of what he does for the defensive line. Now, as a unit, unfortunate. well... The defensive backs and defensive line have question marks this season. And if I recall, coming into the year, both of us said this defensive line was going to be a strength for the Buffs. That's not the case so far. And I think we really thought behind Mustafa Johnson anchoring that defensive line was going to be a big part of it. He was going to help carry a lot of the the, the weight there. Uh but him going out, it really does put the onus on a lot of young guys. There's a lot of younger underclassmen that got a lot of looks this this last couple of weeks. So that's definitely going to put a lot of pressure on this defense to really step up. Uh, uh, you know, to, depending on how long he may be out, it does be- play to their benefit. The Buffs get a bye this week. Gets you a little bit extra time to get healthy. Yeah, that's huge, and we'll get to that here in just a minute. But uh, I mean, behind him, behind Mustafa Johnson. Uh, Naeem Rodman, who's a true freshman. Jeremiah Doss, who's a, so- a transfer sophomore. Um, you're going to get Austin Williams getting some time. Lloyd Murray. Uh, they're both freshmen. And Lloyd I was going to say, and, there's and, not and, a guy that Austin you just Williams. named there that has a significant snap prior to this season. So the other this five, is all new guys. The other five guys on the roster who are either D-tackles or nose-tackles beside Mustafa Johnson, Johnson, freshman, 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 sophomore. I mean, you talk about a lack of experience. It's not a lack of talent. It's not a lack of size. It's a lack of experience. When, which oftentimes is the most important thing. I mean, how often do we say, "Hey, he's been in," the, you know, he's seen Pac-12 football for three, four years. That's why we always like the idea of transfers. They have less time in the program, but they have more experience, and that's simply something this this CU team uh, doesn't have the luxury of right now, at least on the defensive line. Uh, let's go to the defensive backs because we could just kind of mention the defensive line in general. Mustafa Johnson, what do you think of the of this defensive backfield? I mean, one thing that I noted, uh, an article on, I think it was the Ralphie Report, they had uh, a couple takeaways from the game. And one of the takeaways was CU's team speed really is lacking this year. Pretty slow on defense. We saw that during the CSU game. We saw that last week. Let's face it, Air Force doesn't have a whole lot of team speed. Let's face it, Nebraska doesn't have a whole lot of team speed. I think the Buffs may struggle if they don't find ways to stop speedy players getting chunk plays. Yeah, that was certainly still a problem in this game for for as good of a performance as it was an improvement for this team. Defensively, the Buffs still struggle. They gave up 345 passing yards on the game. Um, you know, after after uh, a first quarter jumping up big, you gave up a lot of a lot of scoring, 21 points in the second quarter. So you really do have uh, some concerns still, particularly on the back end of that defense. Uh, really struggling to stay man to man with guys, and that's something that seems like Mel Tucker likes to do a lot of man man-to-man coverage so that's an issue that they either need to fix schematically or really need to figure out who those guys are that can hang on defense well look and we don't want to pull a whole sky is falling here because the the truth is they did give up 21 in the second quarter and then they gave up three in the third and one touchdown in the fourth so I think overall very positive and Jared let's not forget too this is really the first time this year that CU is playing with a lead you need to learn how to do that. How often do we talk about teams? Well, they're so tough to get when they're play, or they're so tough to beat when they're playing with the lead. Or how many times do we talk about teams? Well, you don't. They can always come back. See, you just simply had an opportunity their first of the year to play from ahead to play with that lead. Now they didn't handle it great in the first half, but as this game kind of moved on, they did a good job with that. And I like that they're getting experience in different situations and they're proving they can win again, whether they have that nice lead or not. So. 
I don't want to, you know, rag on the defense too much because if you do take out those couple plays, I mean, this defense really played well overall. Um, also, Jared, the 345 yards through the air, not as big of a deal to me because when you're down 14 nothing, Arizona State's going to throw more than they typically do, so those numbers are going to be inflated. I'm not too worried about that. And one of my keys for the defense in this game was shutting down Eno Benjamin, and while he did still have a, a decent day on the ground, they really did keep him in check. I think he just barely cracked over 100 yards, or as a team, they just barely cracked over 100 yards. So for a team uh, in Arizona State that wants to establish the run, wants to run the ball, to keep a guy like Eno Benjamin Benjamin in check to your point you can live with a few pa- extra passing yards there because you shut down their main weapon on offense all right let's talk about CU's offense they start the game off marched right down the field <laughs> actually before we get into that I have an interesting kind of funny note here um they were talking about this on the radio before the game did you know that of the last 42 games which obviously goes back you know three or four years the last 42 games CU has won the coin toss 33 of those 42 games. Only lost the coin toss nine times last 42 games. So are you the type, do you go heads every time, tails every time? I go heads every time. Yeah. I'm, a, I'm a heads kind of guy, but I like to follow that, you know, when I'm in Vegas on the roulette table, let's go red, right? Let, let's just keep it. Yeah, you got to stay true, keep it right? Consistent. You know, you don't, don't want to be flipping back and forth. I don't know what CU's doing. I was going to say, we're going to have to pay attention <laughs> next uh, next game. See, <laughs> maybe that's what I need to start going well, with. CU needs to go to Vegas, that's for sure. But uh, anyway, they, they got the ball, marched right on down, and that's, again, and kind of what we were talking about, a positive starting quickly shows uh, that these players are kind of learning. And I think the biggest thing is the coaching staff, right? How often do we talk about, well, this this coach thrives with halftime adjustments. You don't want to be a coach that is just known for halftime adjustments because what that means inevitably is you're not too good before the game. Mel Tucker, this offensive coaching staff, did a great job getting these guys prepared, and you saw it from snap one. Absolutely. I think you really saw a different approach in the game plan from CU in this one. I think they've done some self-scouting over the first few weeks, looked at things that have been successful for this offense, things that they've struggled with, and one of the things I think they did a great job of throughout the game, particularly early in this game, is utilizing tempo. You know, talking about not just up-tempo. Usually when you hear tempo, you're thinking, hurry up, offense up tempo but also their ability to slow the game down at times throughout the throughout this game really utilizing the running game with that so really a great balance even though they did struggle running the ball if you look at a yards per carry only 3.5 yards per carry they still stuck with it 40 attempts throughout this game i think that paid off towards the end of this game so great game plan to start and they stuck to what was working for them all game long George, thinking about Montez, 23 of 30, three touchdowns, no interceptions. <laughs> hey, it's, <laughs> it, it seems seems perfect timing just after we dogged him a little bit the last couple of weeks for some of the things he threw out there. Of course, Steven Montez comes out and puts his best performance of the year out there. It seems to be his MO, but you know what? I'm not going to complain on it when you get days like today or like you got this weekend. Yeah, 95.3 quarterback rating, nothing wrong there. We're not just going to sit and pick anything wrong. Montez had a great game. If we get that out of Montez every game we're going to be just fine all right now let's go to the rushing attack Alex Fontenot 25 carries 89 yards not too efficient but he did get injured in the game do you have an update on Alex Fontenot um as of right now I'm looking here this is uh, sportsreference.com they don't list him on an injury report report right now so uh, optimistic hopefully meaning that that uh, he, he will be around and available for the bus when they next play there's certain things that we can make assumptions about being sports fans right and I always talk about, look, if you're one of these fans that's going to criticize 
play calls or hires or why this receiver is starting or why they did that play call or why this running back's getting carries. I never like to assume that we know more than the coaching staff, right? I mean, Mel Tucker and his staff, let's face it, folks, they've forgotten more about football than most of us collectively put together know. So to go, why in the world are they giving this running back that many carries, those idiots? How often do you hear that in the world of sports, right? All the time. All the time. It's so ridiculous. So I don't like doing that. What I like doing instead is instead of acting like I know everything, let the coaching staff tell you certain things, and then you can make assumptions. Then we can start going down that road. What the coaching staff is telling us with the buffs is that Alex Fontenot is the clear number one running back. Last couple years at CU, it's been running back by committee. There, there really hasn't been that one guy. I mean, when's the who's the last CU running back who got 25, 30 carries a game? I mean, I initially go to like Bobby Purify way back in the day. And, My man and Chris Phil Lindsay had himself okay, a great okay, season okay. in there. But, but even with Philip Lindsay, now I know it's a different coaching staff, but we didn't see the numbers where Philip Lindsay is getting 25, 30 carries and the next guy's getting five or six. This is the first true bell cow do it all running back that the buffs have had in a long time now again you could say it's a style thing for the offense or it's that Alex Fontenot is that much better I'm not sure which one it is but we don't have to be sure which one it is what we know is that the coaching staff wants Fontenot to touch the ball three to four more times than any other running back on the on the on the roster so if Alex Fontenot is hurt, this will certainly be a damage to the offense and what this offense wants to do. Jaron Mangum, the backup running back, what have your impressions been of Mangum so far? Now, for those who don't know, Jaron Mangum, one of the few four-star recruits CU has gotten to come to Boulder the last couple years, the highest-rated recruit in last year's class, and he's playing as a true freshman. Jaron Mangum, one of the few prized possessions that CU has in the national recruiting landscape, doesn't appear to be that next-level athlete. Now, when I see Jaron Mangum run, uh, the few things that stand out to me is he's physical. He doesn't seem like he's going to have a lot of turnovers, but I don't see a whole lot of side to side. It seems like he is a one cut downhill running back. And that's okay. If you have the lightning to go with the thunder, if Alex Fontenot's hurt, these buffs are going to struggle. So I guess two things, Jared, what are your thoughts on Mangum in the, in the way he's been playing and can he handle the workload if Fontenot is injured? What I I'm glad that you bring up his recruiting rankings and and that he was really the prized recruit for the Buffs coming in this year because what I see when I when I watch Jaron Mangum play is a guy that has spent his entire life being the best player on the field and that's not to say he hasn't worked hard through through high school and into his first year of college here to earn where he is he, I just think a lot of times when guys come in and they're the top recruit for a program that's in transition they feel like they're going to walk right on the field and dominate and I think. I think for the first time in his football career, he's not dominating. He's going up against guys that are equal to him in a talent level. So now he's going to have to take it to that next level, learn how to add another level to his game. And I just don't think we've seen that yet. So I think hopefully we see that as he continues on throughout this year. But to answer your second question, I think the Buffs would really end up having to lean on even more than we've already seen this season, the depth of this wide receiver core, because you do have guys that can be that lightning for you. You know, Dimitri Stanley, Katie Nixon are two that come right to the top of the head. Those guys that you could utilize out of the backfield or on some of those gadget plays to be the lightning to go with Jaron Mangum's thunder. I just think maybe part of it too 
is we're not used to getting these recruits in Boulder. And so I got so excited. I think a lot of the fan base gets excited. When you watched him in the spring game and he just dominated. It's kind of like, you know, if, if you've, you know, if you've been driving around, uh, 1987, you know, old Ford, broken down Focus, whatever it is, and, and you get some brand new Maserati. You're going to go crazy with it because you've never seen it before. Seems kind of like the same thing here, right? You're going to go crazy with this four-star athlete. We've never seen it before. We don't know what this is like. My expectations were pretty high for this guy. I think we still have to remember. He's a true freshman. It's the Pac-12. He may be very good in the future, but to expect him to hit the ground running, maybe literally and figuratively, maybe a little bit too much uh, for him. All right, Jared, I want to uh, go from one prized recruit to, I'd say, the next prized recruit right before Jaron Mangum, who was LaVisca Chenault, coming from Texas to Soto, right? DeSoto, Texas, as a four-star athlete. LaVisca Chenault hurt again last game in the first quarter. I think he had one touch. Now, we want to be careful here, right? Because never, ever, 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 ever are we going to call people out for being injured. That's not what we're about to do on this show, on any other show I've done. We, whether they're on the CU Buffs or an opponent, you never wish any harm on anybody, and injuries are just an unfortunate part of the game. With LaVisca Chenault, I think it's only natural to start asking questions. Now... What questions do you ask, right? I think the first is, and the most obvious question, is he injury prone? Right? That's not making assumptions about his work ethic or anything like that. Some guys, all the way back to the beginning of football, have just been injury prone. Nothing wrong with it. Some are, some aren't. Last season, Jared, I was very vocal about this. I blamed the coaching staff. I blamed my Mike McIntyre, though the co-offensive coordinators, and I said, Stop giving LaVisca the ball every down. The workload is going to wear this guy down. No wonder he's and we saw it. We saw it five weeks in last year. This season. Well, I'm not seeing the workload. As a matter of fact, I'm seeing a decreased workload, yet I'm seeing the injuries persist. Do you think LaVisca Chenault is injury prone, first of all? Now just answer that question. I have to ask uh, ask a question on that before I can answer that Ooh, question. Answer a question. Mainly question. because I dug and I dug and I never saw or heard what was his injury. No idea. It was undisclosed. And I was listening to the radio and the television. Neither one knew. Because to me, last year, if I'm not mistaken, it was an ankle that he, he was struggling with for most of last year. And so if you come find out this is that same ankle he tweaked again... I really have concerns with that. You see guys throughout their college career, whether it be at knees, hips, ankles, when they have a persistent recurring injury, that tells you that that is probably a degenerative issue that you're going to have throughout your career. So if we're talking a completely separate, unrelated issue, if we're talking a concussion, we're talking some of those things, that I'm not going to start to pile those on top of each other. Two completely separate injuries in different seasons – that is, you know, a coincidence. Those things happen. Sure, sure. If we're talking same area of the body, whether it be at legs, you know, shoulders, those sorts of things, that starts to pile up over the long haul. So that could very much be an issue. I just need some more details on what's going on with him. Okay. I just wanted to pose that question. Do you think he's injury prone? Because I think that's a very fair question. That's not too damaging. That's not even too inflammatory. Hey, he may be, he may be not. I'm not sure if that's the case. I can't answer that. I just wanted to see your reaction. Now, 
here's what I'm leading towards. And I don't want to be irresponsible with this. And I don't feel like that by asking the question, this is irresponsible. But I feel like it certainly should be asked and we should at least have a discussion about it. LaVisca Chenault is almost undoubtedly going to be a first-round draft pick next year. Okay? I think it would be ignorant to assume that no one around him in his life is talking about that. And this is a kid. He's, what, 18, 19 years old, 20 years old? I always say this. You know I'm a, I'm a pro better, Jared, right? The reason why I don't bet on a lot of professional or on a lot of college sports it's because college kids are, are they're, they're fragile, man. I mean, if a quarterback breaks up with his girlfriend, that could completely change an entire game, you know? And so I don't like to bet on college kids because they're too emotional. They let little things impact them. LaVisca Chenault is a kid, and he, I'm assuming, has a lot of people in his ears, whether it's family members, friends, whatever. Hey, man, you're going to be a first-round draft pick next year. Look at the millions of dollars that are going to be guaranteed. You want to injure yourself this year for a... Uh, you know, what What looks to be maybe a 500 football team in the Pac-12. Do you really want to go out, th- out there and risk injury and risk your entire family's future? He's already injury prone. He already has the writing on the wall. He's going to be drafted. Do you think that's impacting anything at all? I, I, I'm not going to say Again, we're speculating. Other, this is all we can do. Specifically for him. But if we want to talk in a general standpoint with players in that scenario... I absolutely think that affects the average person. I mean, you put yourself in, in their scenario, and it, it's so easy to see. And, and honestly, I don't blame them. Oh, I don't blame if, them one if, if that's where your mind is, until they are starting to get paid actual paychecks, you have nothing to hold over this kid and say, oh, no, you need to show up to play. No, you need to look out for yours. And especially a kid like LaVisca Chenault came from a tough up- upbringing. His dad passed away when he was young. He has been the, the man of this house for a long time. And his mom, his family... They're looking for him. They're looking for this when 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 he turns pro, you know, they're all going to benefit from that a lot. So that pressure, whether it's actually being outwardly spoken to him from his family, that pressure is there. It's real. If you've listened to LaVisca Chanel talk, he's a very grounded, mature person. Yeah. I think he's somebody that gets it. He understands his future is with his body, and I think he's going to do what he needs to do to take care of that, and I think he's smart to do that. No, absolutely. Just because we're bringing this up doesn't mean we agree or disagree. If anything, I'm on LaVisca's side. It's like, dude, you're playing right now in a sport where coaches make millions of dollars, in some cases over $10 million with all the incentives. I mean, they're buying Nick Saban's house, right? There's so much money to be made for the coaches, and what happens? You know, uh, Christian McCaffrey uh, sits out one bowl game and the whole world loses it because how can you not stand up and you're a football player and you you don't play for the money you're in college, you play for the love of the sport. It's like BS. If you tell anyone who's about to make $10 million that and they're going to laugh in your face. So I'm on LaVisca's side. If that if that would be the case, I just think that we should. I, I, I talked to a few people about it after the game. It was on my mind and I wanted to bring it up, you know, it's, again, not good or bad. I'm not blaming anybody. If anything, I'm blaming the system. But you just wonder, you know, is that in the back of his mind? Is that impacting some of this, this injury concern? Because it doesn't look like, I mean, look, we both watched football for a long time. You can tell when someone gets a tough shot. You can tell when someone's hurt or banged up. And we've also seen enough instances where you can tell where they're being precautionary. You can tell when it's more, you know, let's not get more injured here. I don't know. We're speculating everything right now, but... 
if I were about to make millions of dollars, I would be just as cautious as LaVisca is maybe being, maybe not being, but if I were in his spot, I'd be very cautious. I want to throw one other angle at, at that thought process at you. Um, new coaching staff in for the Buffs this year, and I think we all saw last year after LaVisca Chenault came down with that first injury, I want to say it was against USC week four, week five of that year. He continued to play for a couple of games after that, and he did not look like the same player. Could this be a coaching staff seeing what you have behind you, which we all saw this last week with Tony Brown, Katie Nixon, all these guys putting up big-time numbers and realizing, you know what? We're better with Tony Brown on the uh, starting for us than we are with 75% of LaVisca Chenault. Let's get this guy healthy. Let's keep him out of there because we know we have more depth at this position than any other spot on the field. Let's get this guy back for November when we really need him. Could be. That's a great point. It could be the coaching staff's decision. You know, maybe it's completely out of LaVisca's hands, and you put a scenario out there that's very realistic, I think. You know, we're already doing well with these guys. Now, my first reaction is, if he's able to go, you want to get him out there. But maybe you're right. Maybe the coaching staff looks and says, you know, our other guys at 100% are better than LaVisca at 80-85. Let's get him healthy, and, and, and maybe it was, you know, more maintenance type of thing. Just, I think just, Tony Brown forced their hand. He They couldn't take him off the field in this last game. Well, but I mean, Jared, LaVisca's so good. I think if he if he's 95%, you don't want to take him off the field. And as good as Brown is, why did the Patriots sign Antonio Brown? It's because you can never have too much talent. You know, it's... I don't buy that, well, if LaVisca is 95%, we're so good at receiver, we can afford to have him on the sideline. I think if he can go, you put him out there. I, so I think you're probably right. But I think, uh, quick, quick side note there, that Antonio Brown disaster. Jeez. Oh, <laughs> Talk about a laughing stock, man. Dude's out of the NFL at this point. So um, I digress. You know, uh, we both love uh, Chenault. Good kid. Hope, hope the best for him in the future. And I'm, I'm certainly, you know, not... I think that's what happens a lot on radio, podcasts, blogs, internet, is you, you, you put a question out there and people assume that because you're asking the question, those are your thoughts, those are your feelings. Um, we love this program. We love that kid. Uh, you know, again, hope the best for him in the future. But it's, it's, it's the world we live in. I think it's ignorant if we were to do this show and not at least talk about some of these different things happening. And let's also talk about this, Jared. You ever listen to a broadcast on 850 KOA? Oh, I, yeah, I love it. those yes. guys. I, I sync up. The, the game to the uh, I think of the game on the TV to the radio I'm always listening to it but they're homers they oh, yeah. they you know they see everything with black and gold glasses which I love but what we want to do on this show is give that truth give a different point of view where people don't come to here and if CU loses 45 nothing we're all raw raw CU and hey we could have been 46 45 we want to talk about the truth on this show and again I think that if we don't just put it out there and discuss it, we're doing ourselves in the audience a disservice. Are we accusing Chanel to this? Heck no. As a matter of fact, I, I actually don't think that's the case, but we're living in a world where millions of dollars are dangling in front of these guys like carrots, and it's only a few months away from them getting paid. It's a messed up system, and I hope it changes. I mean, I've been one of the people since it, 10 years ago on radio, I've been saying these guys- It's getting there. Paid. California's starting it. It's getting there, just like a lot of things. I know they, they are uh, in preliminary stages of, of passing the, uh, the, the pay-to-play uh, oh. laws. So uh, as long as the NCAA doesn't keep fighting it, saying it's un unconstitutional to, to pay people for the work that they're providing for you, you know, that's unconstitutional. <laughs> you got to uh, start so somewhere, right? I don't think that we're far off. Maybe not while any of these kids currently at CU are there, 
But I think, you know, the, the, the classes that are going to be graduating 25 to 30, you might start to see some of those things come through. All right. So, again, CU gets a 34-31 win on the road. Their first true road game of the year sees the Buffaloes with the dub. Um, you got anything else you want to add to this, Jared? Did we leave anything out? Any main? I think really just, you know, very good to see the Buffs bounce back. I know that it's, um, you know, sort of cliche to say it, but the Buffs have everything in front of them. You know, when you look at the South, Utah goes down this week. There is now no undefeated teams That's in the crazy. Pac-12 South. I think CU, when you, you know, objectively look at this, are has looked as good as any team in the Pac-12 South. There's no team in the Pac-12 South that has just looked really good week in and week out. So they're absolutely our legitimate threat in the Pac-12 South. So good to see the Buffs come out, understand that, and control this game start to finish. Go out and get a big win. Special thanks to the Wise Listing System team. If you're looking for a new house, apartment, condo, uh, check them out online, paymyfirstmonth.com. Now, wherever you are in the house buying uh, hierarchy here, right? If you're just looking for your first house, looking for your first apartment, uh, first condo, or looking to make it that million-dollar mansion you've been looking for your whole life. Jared, you're close to that, right? Yeah, that I was, I was looking. That's a little <laughs> under my budget, actually. but Doesn't matter what you're looking for. They will make the entire process easy. Now, we all know how expensive moving can be. So many little fees here or there. Well, online at paymyfirstmonth.com, they will do just that. They'll take care of your first month's mortgage, making all those little bills around moving so much easier. Uh, again, the Wise Listing System team online, paymyfirstmonth.com. Tell them you heard about them right here on the Buffs Nation podcast. Also want to thank Woo's Media online, W-O-O-Z-E, media.com. If you own a business, know anyone who owns a business, and want to start getting more involved with online advertising. Have you ever searched, any, searched for anything on Google? Let's say you're looking for new patio furniture. And then later on that week, you're on ESPN reading an article, and in the middle of the article is an ad for patio furniture? Well, how do they do that? Isn't that a little intrusive? Isn't that? Well, you better you bet it is. And you better also bet every business owner out there needs something like that online. So if you own a business, know someone who owns a business who needs a better online advertising presence, check out Woo's Media online, W-O-O-Z-E media.com. Welcome back to Buffs Nation podcast, online, buffsnation.com. Available on all your favorite podcast players. Jared heading into the bye week. Couldn't come at a better time for some of these injuries, right? It's funny when you look at that at the beginning of the year, you go, oh, week five, bye. You know, <laughs> I really? I, you want one later in the year, but it does work out. And you never really know going into the season where you're going to be. And, and the Buffs have uh, about a dozen guys on the injury report right now. So hopefully that means just about all those guys make it back. And, and I think also, too, coming off a big emotional game, big win off uh, coming off your first Pac-12 game this year, I think it's good for the Buffs to kind of ground themselves get back to the drawing board and really work on some of these deficiencies we've seen so far this year. All right, so let's kind of go uh, 
bullet point by bullet point here for what the Buffs need to address in the in the in this bye week. Um, we mentioned the injuries. Ten people you said banged up. Now, do we have a do you have a list separated in guys who are going to be back against Arizona and guys who will be out for a little bit or not? Maybe you can bring that next week. So when we do the Arizona rundown, and we're not going to talk much about the Wildcats this week, folks. It's uh, kind of last week, and we'll talk about the bye week now next week. Uh, next Tuesday, we will have a full preview for uh, the University of Arizona. And that's on the road, right? Or is that in Boulder? That is in Boulder. Oh, that's, okay. Uh, nice. That's a Saturday afternoon game, actually. 2.30 kickoff time. I was expecting... I have a dentist appointment then. Oh, uh, bummer. Saturday? What was it? 2.30? <laughs> oh, my God. I know. I don't have the crickets. <laughs> oh, <laughs> buddy. Oh, boy. That was so bad. It went right over my head. <laughs> um, but that's good. Afternoon game. I always like that. You know, I actually am, uh, we were just talking before the show, I'm finally getting the in- internal clock reset where I'm ready to go 8.30, man. So uh, no, see, I was kind of expecting that to be a late night one. I sit around all the alumni. So the late game, you don't get a lot of those people. They're just quiet. sleeping. Yeah. So I like filling up the section around me for, uh, for the night. But certainly the number one thing on the list, injuries. Actually couldn't have come at a better time for CU. Um, with the injuries. It's early on, but so many people banged up, get healthy, uh, get ready for this Pac-12 run. The other reason why I think the early bye week helps see you, like you mentioned, Jared, usually you like the bye week to be later on. Halfway through the year, towards the end of the season, you can get people healthy, you can make the adjustments. You, it, it's kind of everything works for later bye week. The reason why I think the Buffs having an early bye week this year, not just the injuries and the injury bug that we've kind of seen through the first couple of weeks, but when you have a new head coach and he's around a new team and is getting used to a new process and a new system, a week off can do wonders. Mel Tucker now has a chance to, maybe for the first time that he's really taken over, take a deep breath, take a step back, reevaluate what the process has been, what we've done so far, have another meeting with the coaching staff, and just kind of get everything ready and prepared for, for, for the rest of the season. It helps that CU's three and one, not one and three. Makes everybody in a better mood. Winning's better all around the board. But nevertheless, for a new team, new head coach, you want that earlier bye week. It's going to help the process for a new guy in the building. What do you think about that? Absolutely. And I think particularly when you look at the struggles the bus have had early on, it does seem like they need a little bit of kind of getting on the same page. Now, we saw the offense seem to sort of figure some of that out this last weekend, but I think that this coaching staff take away the players. I think this coaching staff could use a week off from coming up with a specific game plan just to do some self-scouting internally figure out, you know what? Maybe we need to let's talk talking defensive specifically. You know, Buffs have really struggled to get much pressure early on this year. Okay, how can we adjust what we're doing as a team? Maybe that's more blitz packages. Maybe that's doing some different things to confuse offenses. So, I think it gives you an opportunity to not have that pressure of going, "Okay, this is the team we play this week and we need to do x y and z against them it lets you go okay as a team here's our strengths here's our weaknesses and here's how we improve upon our weaknesses arizona coming up after the bye week now we're not going to break this game down i think this is one of the better opponents you can have in the pac-12 because this is likely a game c will be probably a touchdown favorite or so in 
I have been terrified of Khalil Tate since whatever oh, it was, on. 2016 or was, 17, yeah. when when he comes in as the backup and just shreds the buff. So it, it will never, I will never go up against this guy, and he just doesn't <laughs> scare me. He's not that great of a quarterback. You know, I do a lot of uh, NFL draft projection stuff. I don't see this guy transitioning to the next level. I think he struggles mightily as a quarterback, but man, this guy with the ball in his hands is scary. Well, and it is going to be an advantage for CU because Arizona plays next week against UCLA. Arizona, by the way, after that week one loss at Hawaii, they've beaten Northern Arizona and Texas Tech. Northern Arizona, not that big of an opponent, but Texas Tech, that's a pretty good win. I know it's average, uh, you but know. Texas Tech these days is isn't isn't in the uh, the, the the same it was but ten it's years still, ago. Arizona's two and one. I mean, I had Arizona being one of the worst teams in the Pac-12 South. So at least they know how to win some games, right? We've seen, and it, it seems like in comparison to last year, where they seemed like they were kind of fighting themselves to to come up with a successful game plan. Where you know, Khalil Tate was very vocal in the off season going into last year that he wanted to be a quarterback. He wanted to throw the ball. Yeah, right. He was wasn't going to be a running threat as much and and that really blew up in their face last year and so I think they kind of all are unified on the same page on how they want to attack with this offense and so far it hasn't been huge numbers for this offense but it, it has been growing as the season's going when on when you're here. good at something stick to that something especially in college yeah you know, exactly how many comedians do we see trying to be actors it's like stick to what you do well Khalil Tate don't try and throw the football do what you do well and actually, we talked earlier in the show about how CU has struggled with speedy guys on the other side. Well, there's no one more dangerous for a slower defense than a running quarterback. So this is, a, again, a good spot to kind of make those adjustments and start scheming against a team speed when you are facing a guy like Khalil Tate. And from a pure speed standpoint, this is going to be one of the fastest offenses that CU plays all year long. All right, Jared, uh, you got anything else to add for the bye week? No, I'm kind of looking forward to a little bit of relaxing. I mean, these close games week after week, it's got the old blood pressure <laughs> boiling. So, uh, you know, let's take it some, some time for ourselves, Buffs fans. Let's get ourselves healthy going into the remainder of the season here. Um, all right, so before we get out of here today, let's do, a little, uh, let's do a little game, a little game show. Is that okay with you, Jared? I love it. All right, here's how this is going to go. Well, first of all, welcome in, folks. All right, here, this is a uh, good surprise, bad surprise, no surprise, okay? I'm just going to give you some CU topics. Let me know if it's a good surprise, bad surprise, or no surprise, what you've seen up to this point in the season. Starting off with head coach Mel Tucker. Good surprise, bad surprise, no surprise. Good surprise. Yes. You want to elaborate yeah, on that? Yeah, I, I, I didn't know if you were going right <laughs> no. there. Uh, no, I think, you know, we, we kind of had hopes, you know, fingers crossed, and I think we've seen what we hoped to see. But I think to expect Mel Tucker to come in and be so grounded, so in control his first time as a head coach, that is a great surprise for the Buffs. Jaron Mangum. The freshman backup running back. Good surprise, bad surprise, no surprise. I'm going to say bad surprise, and, and that's more, I think, just because we probably did overinflate our expectations for him, like you talked about earlier in the show here. Not knowing what, what the Buffs had at running back, I think you really expected Jaron Mangum to run right in and steal this job. So he struggled a little bit. I think he's still got a lot of season left to get things figured out, and he's got a lot of career left after this. So don't be too discouraged by this, but I do think that is a bad surprise so far. The wide receiving core as a unit. 
Uh, me personally, I'm going to say no surprise. You know what? That's I would say the same thing. Because we knew they were good. I have been for two years on this receiving court, even last year before guys like Katie Nixon and LaVisca Chenault broke out. I think I, I we really have seen and identified the talent there. This is by far their best position. It goes well beyond your one-star receiver. That's a deep group. The CU fan base. Good surprise, bad surprise, no surprise. I guess I'm not sure where you're going with that, so <laughs> I'm going to say no surprise. I'm trying to think of what would surprise the me The only about. thing that sticks out was the Nebraska game. All the fans yeah. selling the tickets. and But look. But you know what, honestly, Tyler? That doesn't surprise me. I, 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 I've <laughs> yeah. come to be used to that. And it's, you know what, Buffs fans, I'm calling you out right now that I'm not surprised when that many people are selling their tickets. It's a joke for a team and, and an organization that wants to be as proud as CU is and should be that the fans don't actually hold true to that when I, push comes to shove. I, I do want to point out that that school that considers themselves a football team up north, did you see the turnout for the CU-CSU game this year, the Rocky Mountain Showdown? It was embarrassing It was for them, unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, CU's section, CU's side, and you got to give the fans credit for this, pretty much full if not about 90 percent yes. full the rams fans they didn't even want to show up it was like half full yeah and, and as soon as the buffs got the lead like by halftime they were emptying that stadium yeah. so at least they've and then both yeah, fans have that so going for them i guess i guess i guess no surprise all right <sighs> team overall let's look at this team as a unit not specifying anything buffs good surprise bad surprise no surprise you look like you're contemplating this how can the answer not be good surprise they've got three wins they're halfway to a bowl game and we've played one pac 12 game i i had the buffs at four and actually at this point in time tyler as we were looking in the early parts of the season so i'm not blown away necessarily like they're just exceeding my expectations i mean this is a team that i had at seven wins going into the year and i really felt like it was going to take a first month of the season being really strong for them to get there at least three wins if not four so I'm not surprised at the overall record. Um, I guess what I will say is I, I am a little bit surprised and why I'm a little hesitant is with the defensive struggles. I think that's something that really surprised me. I thought we'd come in and see an offense struggle to get its footing, really changing drastically how they approach the game, and a defense that I thought would just hit the ground running with Mel Tucker, Tucker coming in. So been a little bit opposite of that. So I would say no surprise at where they are. I am both pleasantly and unpleasantly surprised at how they've gotten there. I think they got some things to work on in order to uh, make that a good surprise by the time we say get to the middle of the season. All right, last one here, the Pac-12. You look at the entire Pac-12, good surprise, bad surprise, or no surprise. Absolutely zero <laughs> surprise in Boy, my mind. Expectations I mean, must have been low. No faith. To me, Utah was the one team that I thought was kind of above the rest in the Pac-12. Well, they proved this last week they aren't. And I never really thought they had a legitimate chance in the playoff because, once again, even if they were to go undefeated the rest of the way out, they're still not even going to get consideration. So, uh, Pac-12, you got one hope. Cal is still undefeated. So, I guess root for them Cal Bears, right? All right. Job, Jared. That does it for today's edition of Good Surprise, Bad Surprise, or No Surprise. Had some good challenges there. I like that. You know, make you know, me think a little I'm bit. I'm keeping you on your toes over here, Jared. No easy, no easy podcast over here. No days off, right? And it's a Bill Belichick approach. All right. Before we depart, all of you fine listeners for the day, we'll go through and pick every Pac-12 game next week. Jared, let's do some rapid fire here. Arizona State on the road 
at number 15, California. Give me the Cal Golden Bears here, surprising a lot of people this season. I like Cal. I like what they've been doing defensively, and I I think this is a team that – I think they squeak one out here against Arizona State. I don't know what that line is. I don't know that I would take it, but line. I like Cal to win. Cal minus five. Yeah, that's right too now. much. That's too steep, but I do like Cal to win. That is on Friday night, the only Friday game in the Pac-12. Uh, let's go Saturday during the day. USC at Washington. I've got Washington big here. Yeah, USC back as a ranked team, 21. Get it's that ridiculous. crap out of here, Very man. They're, they're going to get demolished in that game. Uh, Stanford at Oregon State. I'll let you go first here. <sighs> Stanford is sitting at 1-3 and three yeah. <laughs> right now. I have to imagine that this uh, David Shaw and this team gets it turned around. Now, obviously, they aren't going to go for the 9-10 wins we're used to them seeing, but I got to imagine going against Oregon State, they have have a statement to make here that they do not belong in the same category at the bottom of the Pac-12. Give me Stanford all day in this game. You're giving me a look like you might think otherwise, Tyler. I'm scared of this game. The line right now is Stanford only minus three points. It's a very close spread. I think Oregon State keeps this thing close and I have a chance to upset people. You know what? Let's do it. I'm oh, picking buddy. the <laughs> uh, Washington State at Utah. Woo, this game's going to be close. I think off of a letdown last week after giving up that 31-32 point lead, Washington State has a down week and they lose on the road. Uh, give me the Utah Utes at home. Well, both teams actually coming off of losses. Um, you know, Washington State, if you didn't get a chance to watch that game, Ooh. oh, that was a collapse there if I've ever seen one. So that is hard. That's hard. That's that's one of those things that can can deflate a whole team they were and playing, really throw uh, you off your rails for the season. They were playing UCLA at home. I mean, talk about a recipe for a big victory there. Yeah, so UCLA giving up, or excuse me, uh, Washington Washington State, State, thank you, giving up a huge lead last week. And you mentioned Utah lost too. Yeah, and on the flip side of that, Utah, I think, absolutely bounces back after a loss to USC, a talented USC team that got the better of them this last week. So I think Utah bounces back. I think they finish strong throughout the rest of the season. I like Utah. And last, UCLA at Arizona. I'll take Arizona in a close, ugly game. Yeah, I'm going to go home team there. I I think Khalil Tate has enough uh, around him that I like Arizona to win this in in an offense. Game here. There we go. That does it for this week on Buffs Nation. Let's hope the Buffs have a nice bye week. Take care of what they need to, make some adjustments, get healthy. We'll talk to you next week on Buffs Nation.